This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Um, I'm really glad you're here today. This is our last um, week in our series on the book of Acts, and I know we are only on Acts chapter 10, so clearly we didn't make it through the whole book. Um, but we will come back to it. The thing, the thing about the Bible is that when you get to, to studying it line by line, there's just so much in it, and we could really be doing a two-full-year series on the book of Acts. But next week, we are going to transition to a series called The Chosen. How many of you have seen that series, The Chosen? You can now watch it on Netflix. Oh, not that many of you. That's exciting. Okay, um, I was late to the game and started watching it this year, even though people had told me for years you should watch it, but I wasn't really into, uh, and if you don't know, The Chosen is um, a a film about um, Jesus. It's a Jesus film. Now, I'm going to just be honest with you for about five seconds. Usually the Jesus films, when I watch them, like some of you came to know Jesus through a Jesus film, and so if you did, praise the Lord, but um, most of the time when I watch them, I think it doesn't seem like the Bible to me, but this, The Chosen series, I watched it and wept. I wa- and anyway, so I'm going to tell you, every week we're going to take a different part of the gospel and um, we're going to talk about Jesus. Now, um, I don't say this about every series, although in every series we know that people will come and make decisions for Jesus and know about him, but this would be an amazing series in September to invite somebody that doesn't know the Lord, like maybe a friend or a colleague or a neighbor um, I, I really believe Jesus is going to meet us in a really powerful way. And so all through the month of September, we're going to be um, looking at the Gospels, and, the, and we're going to be watching a little bit of the Chosen series. I also want to tell you that the first two weeks in September uh, begins our days of prayer and fasting. This is something that we do every year as a church. Um, the Book of Chronicles tells us that if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven. We just believe that God, we are in a season of God doing something quite phenomenal in our midst. Um, Last week, I I told you that I was going to have the opportunity to speak to junior highs, and um, it's wild, because I I really haven't had the chance to speak to that age group in a long, long time, because I'm old. (laughs) Um, But somehow, they chose me to come and speak, which was amazing. I, I just, I... I don't even know that I have words to describe the junior highs. So these are they're teenagers, actually. They're from grade four to grade six, so little people, uh, receiving from Jesus. I mean, they're trying to shut services down, and kids are praying at such a level that they, they can't, they don't do anything about it. Kids were praying at the altar until like 11.30 at night, from grade four to grade six. Hundreds of kids being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. I, I am sure, I, so I've done um, a summer of camps, ladies and gentlemen. If you look at my hair, it looks like camp hair. I, I, I cracked an iron out for the first time this morning and forgot how to iron. Um, I, I have seen God move this summer. Like, I, I don't know that I've seen the amount of hunger. I, and I know God is no respecter of people. He doesn't just say, you know what, I like to go to camps where it's very hot in the tabernacle. Uh, No, he wants to meet us as well. 
And I, I believe that God is drawing people in this season. I, I believe we're going to have a season of harvest like we have never seen before. I believe God is going to draw people by his spirit. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't even know why you're here. You don't know how you got here. You're just like, you just ended up here. I believe that God is drawing you. And I believe we're in a season. You see, whenever it seems the darkest, this is when God moves. And part of the reason I believe that we're studying the book of Acts, the church was in a very dark season. I mean, it starts off and everybody's afraid. But then the Holy Spirit comes. Now, the church still existed within a very dark culture. Paganism, pluralism, um, materialism. Rome, Rome was a um, place of power, unbridled power. Not unlike a lot of where we live right now. I know it seems like, like when you think about yourself, you don't think of yourself as a person of power. But the truth is history, we will look back in history and recognize that we were given insane amounts of power, particularly those of us that reside in North America. And yet, God broke through in those moments. And I believe that God wants to break through in your life in that way in this season. I don't know about you, but I am not content for my children to just grow up with some, like, church life, where they get up on Sunday morning and they just come to church. I mean, who wants to fight for their kids for 18 years? Get out of bed. Your alarm's going off. Get out of bed. We don't need another, listen, none of you need another extracurricular activity. None of you need to, like, you've already taken up badminton. And, but what I do want to contend for is the Spirit of God to move in my family. What I do want to contend for is for God to move and transform us. Because if he transforms me, so you see, I'm not responsible for what happens out there. What happens out there, we're not going to get uptight about that. We've just, listen, we already did the last three years where we were all uptight about what was going on out there. I'm just saying now, let's not, let's not worry about what's happening out there. Let's, let's worry about what's happening in here. Yes, in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits. Let, let God transform us. And when we, God transforms us, that changes everything about what's happening out there. Okay. So the thing about the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about something very practical today. Uh, the thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit doesn't just come to give you goosebumps. He doesn't just come so you can sing the chorus one more time. He doesn't just come so you can cry in church, although I, I'm all for all those things. I am for the people praying. I am for God moving. I am for the Holy Spirit just changing us and wrecking us, but he does it for pragmatic reasons so that we become changed, so that society moves, so that society... You are called to be a, a world changer. And Acts, the book of Acts is so cool because it's always talking. It's weaving this story about the Holy Spirit moving all the time. But there are these really pragmatic things that happen. So we're going to talk about that. Um, uh, for lots of years, listen, Dave and I have dreamed of a church that would be not just um, multicultural in aspiration, but multicultural in pragmatics. Uh, before moving to Calgary, uh, Dave and I pastored a church with 95 nations represented in it. And um, wow, that, I, I loved telling people that. Do you know what's cool? It's a lot harder in real life. Do you know where that, you know where that works out hard? In the parking lot, where people cannot find parking. And uh, all the nations just really fight each other to get a parking space. 
It, it was so bad in one of our churches, this is a true story, it was so bad in one of our churches that they had to assign pastors to the parking lot because people were fighting. So they'd fight in the parking lot to get spaces, but then they'd see a pastor and go, oh, hi, pastor, praise God, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. <laughs> uh, 95 Nations is great till you start talking food, whose food is the best. Uh, well, that is really a good part. That's a, that's a fight worth having, I believe. That's why we really, by the way, in March, we will again have Taste in the Nations it's the, best, it's the best night we do here, I think. It really is. It's like the best food night, at least. Bring all your food. I, and we're growing in nations, so I'm expecting so much food next year. Just a plea from your pastor. Um, but we, we actually dreamed, though, of, uh, of a church in Calgary. When we moved to Calgary, we felt very clearly that God spoke to us about a couple of things. One was a building, and here we are. And the second was that God would build a multicultural church. And so we actually even baked it into the vision. And if you've heard us say it before, you haven't, here's our vision. We see Journey as a multicultural church impacting thousands through the practical life transformation gospel message. Um, I, I don't think, we don't get the whole picture of the gospel till we get a revelation kind of church where we get all of us with different perspectives and different ideas. And um, Acts chapter 10 tells the story of God's vision for a multicultural church. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to be looking at a bunch of scriptures from Acts chapter 10 to Acts chapter 12. But in Acts chapter 10, Peter has this dream, and there's a great sheet coming down from heaven, and in it were a number of animals that, that Jewish people thought of as unclean. So unclean birds of the air, reptiles, pigs. Um, this is the original pigs in a blanket idea here. Yeah. I was really looking forward to telling that joke all week long. <laughs> okay, it really wasn't that good. Um, but, okay, so Peter has this dream. Now, I, I am a person who, who, when I was a little bit younger, particularly in my 20s, I still had like really weird dreams all the time, and Dave didn't know this about me until we got married. But each and every morning when I'd get up, I'd be like, Dave, I had this really weird dream, and then I'd tell it to him. Now, at first, he thought they were prophetic dreams, so he was, like, really, like, really listening, like, really into my dreams. Okay, <laughs> by week three, he was like, you know what? You just keep those dreams between you and the Lord. <laughs> I cannot interpret them, and they're so weird, because they'd be like, then I was roller skating, Dave, and then all of a sudden, I was swimming, and then I was jumping so high, and then I had wings, wings. Anyways, they were not, okay, but Peter has this vision. It's like a dream. Now, I believe God still speaks in visions and dreams, and granted, most of my dreams are weird, but sometimes God does speak to me in a dream, and Peter has this vision, but it's a, it's a weird vision. It's a blanket with all these animals. Now, you need to understand the context of this. These are animals that Jewish people have been told not to eat for 1,400 years. Now, we, we do weird things as humans with numbers, we go, yeah, yeah, 1,400 years. I'm going to guarantee that none of you knows an ancestor that lived 1,400 years ago. Like, 1,400 years ago is like so long ago. So for 1,400 years, the Jewish people have not been eating. And Peter has a dream. And God says, um, kill and eat. That's the voice he gets from heaven. Kill and eat. And if you're Peter... What you're thinking is not a chance. What kind of a trick is this? Not a chance. And um, I, I don't know that we understand the magnitude of this in Acts chapter 10. 
Acts chapter 10 is a fulcrum in the, in the church. It changes. Everything changes. And God says, Peter, get up and eat. He says, like, what was once unclean, I have made clean. And um, God responds when Peter is like, not a chance, with what I have cleansed, Peter, you are not to call unclean. And while Peter is trying to figure out what all this means, um, someone knocks at his door. But, okay, so this is the cool thing. Peter has a dream, but God is already setting up other people to come into his life. He gets this knock, by the way, in your life, it might seem like you don't understand all the pieces right now. God is setting up every part of your life. He's setting up people to come and make sense of the chaos in your life. So Peter is feeling like all this chaos, like what has, what, get up and eat? I can't, I can't do that, God. And God, he hears a knock at the door, and there's Cornelius. Cornelius is a Gentile, a Gentile, and, and a bunch of Gentile soldiers saying, an angel told us to come and talk to you. Now, I think we read about stories like this and think, well, God never does anything like that for me. I never have anything supernatural happen that anybody could talk to. I don't even know. God is always on the move supernatural. You, you just have to pray that God would give you eyes to see it. Like, so, Peter could have just been, I've just had this dream, and now somebody's annoying me on my door trying to clean my gutters. I'm not answering it. But it's if he answers it. And then, all of a sudden, when Cornelius and these Gentiles come, the lights come on for Peter. It's like all of a sudden he has this aha moment. And in verse 34, he says, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This is an aha moment. Because before, before, God was for the Jewish people, he had made them the apple of his eye, the, the Bible says, to show people what it looked like to come under the favor of God. And in Acts chapter 10, God says, everybody, the floodgates have been open for everybody. And then um, all, all, all along, the prohibition on eating unclean animals had just been a picture of human sinfulness. But now that Jesus has died and has removed defilement for the whole human race, uh, Anyone who wants to receive it can. And then the word recurs all, recurs a bunch of times in Peter's sermon over the next 10 verses. So Peter gets his vision, and then he begins to preach. And, and here, here's what the word said. Verse 36, Jesus is Lord of all. Verse 38, Jesus healed all who were opposed by the devil, including Gentiles, including tax collectors, Roman soldiers, and prostitutes. And then Peter ends, ends his sermon this way. To him, all the prophets bear witness that all who believe in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And then here's what's cool. So he's saying it's for everybody, all of us. Then in verse 46, it says this, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Okay, so here's what's amazing. A couple things from this part of scripture. First of all, Peter is talking about the inclusiveness of God's, the gospel of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit falls. There is something about us saying, all of us should come and eat. That like inspires Holy Spirit movement when we say, yes, all of us. Second of all, what's really cool about this passage is that the Holy Spirit falls on people, and there's like no prayer tunnel, Nobody has lined up for like, 
just the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not confined to a certain way, our cultural way of going about asking him. He falls, some of you right now in this church service, the Holy Spirit's going to fall on you. And it's going to have nothing to do with it. It's just the Holy Spirit moving. When, when truth is spoken, we make way for the Holy Spirit to move, which is why the Holy Spirit can move in your workplace, can, work, can move in your school, can move just even where you can't even imagine that the Holy Spirit would fall. The Holy Spirit is not confined to church services. I mean, he comes here because we say yes to him, but he's not confined to it. He can move and change everything no matter where you are. The second thing that's wild is that um, in this allness, like Peter is saying, all, the Holy Spirit comes and the gift of tongues is given. Now, what's wild is that really, if you think about the gift of tongues, if, if, this is, if you've never been to a Pentecostal church, welcome. Um, the gift of tongues is a gift given to all believers, to anybody who wants it, and it makes sense in a lot of ways, right? That, that he would give us the gift of tongues so that we could speak in an unknown language, the language of heaven, but it unifies us. Unifies us. It's like a reversal of the Tower of Babel. In the Tower of Babel, we're told in Genesis chapter 11 that all the people with great pride in their hearts said, we're going to build a tower and we're going to be tall up to God. Like they just thought that they were the cat's meow, kind of like some of us think right now. And God said, no, I'm going to confuse your language. But in Acts, in the book of Acts, God reverses that. And people begin to speak in this heavenly language all together. Can you see how it's like, it's really this picture of like all of us coming back together now. There's no longer a breakdown of race or Gentiles or Jews, slaves or free, Greek, male, female. It's like this great reversal. Which is why, by the way, just right now in history, uh, the largest movements of churches are multicultural churches where God's moving. People are getting filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. You know, I, I um, generally, as a pastor, I had been quite nervous to talk about it because it's kind of weird. So you just want to, you want to like get up on a Sunday morning and be like, like, I'm Pentecostal, yes, but I'm not that weird. Like, kind of normal. I tell terrible jokes, you know. Oh, but I have felt like a stirring in my spirit over these last, the Bible tells us in, in the New Testament that tongues is a sign for the unbeliever. That's a weird, because like when I grew up in the 80s, I'd always pray and I was bringing my friends to church. Dear God, please don't let anybody speak in tongues today. It's so weird and I'm going to have to. But what if the Holy Spirit wants to give you the gift of tongues as a reminder that he is walking with you, as a reminder that he wants to strengthen you, as a reminder that it's not in your own strength or your own words. Some of us need to just, just and we can just think about that for a minute. But know this, in this scripture, it is a reminder. The tongues was this gift that reminded people that the, that the Holy Spirit was for all, that we were to be an inclusive people. Do you see what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit actually does pragmatic things. It's not just, it's like for pragmatic reasons. And then Peter declared in verse 47, can, so the people get filled with the Holy Spirit, they speak in other tongues, and then verse 47, Peter says, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? By the way, we're going to have a baptism on September 17th. If you haven't been baptized before, say yes. You know, baptism is just this, this um, it's not because you're perfect. It's not because you have it all figured out. It's not because you're like, you get a super spiritual star. It's because you're just saying, I'm going to publicly declare my faith in Jesus. And when you do that, something amazing happens. We do it because Jesus himself got baptized. So if you've never been baptized, 
I also, you, you know, let me just speak this to you. Some of you have never been baptized before, but now you're kind of embarrassed. <laughs> like, oh, people, I can't, I'm going to have to admit, I've never, just, just don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Just say yes to Jesus and get baptized. You might have not got, just, I mean, maybe you've had a fear of water and God has freed you. We're not going to judge you, right? You've never been baptized, it's fine. Just say yes, I'm going to get baptized now. So if you've never been baptized, go on the website, find the baptism thing. We're going to celebrate with you and it's going to be amazing. Um, so I, I want you to see now how the next chapter opens. So Peter has this vision, Cornelius comes to him, the Holy Spirit falls on people. And verse 11, verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 2 says, so, so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party uh, criticized him. So these were Christians who thought that you had to follow Jewish customs, cultures, to be, um, to be a Christian. And they get mad at him, and they said, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. Okay, so Peter explains, listen, man, I had this dream, changed everything. And verse 11, verse 15 says, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. It's this cool thing that when people get, Jesus is for everybody, the Holy Spirit falls on people. It's this like radical, like when we're talking about um, being a multicultural church for everybody, we are not just saying that because we want to be woke or because we want to be stylish or because, no, no, I, I have a desperation for the Holy Spirit to fall on us. And what the scripture teaches us is that when we say for all people, the Holy Spirit falls and there's something powerful that happens. Okay, if God had given them the same, uh, and I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, Jesus baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, and then verse 17 says, if then God gave them the same, if God gave them, gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I to stand in God's way? <laughs> I love how, like this is how Peter combats them. Listen, I'm not going to stand in God's way. If God said he was going to give his spirit to everyone, Joel chapter 2, I'm not going to stand in God's way. My question for us today is, are we standing in God's way? Are we standing in God's way of being for all people? Are we standing in God's way of culturally integrating his church? This is what Acts, through, Acts 10 through 12 is all about. God saying yes to all the people. I, it's, I, I have a better look at this than you right now. This is so beautiful for me to look out at the church and think, wow, this is becoming a real thing. We're, we're, becoming, we're becoming more and more multicultural, which is why we have to talk about it now. It's why we got to keep talking about it. I had somebody say to me this week, oh, Pastor Jess, like, we don't really have problems in our church with this. So like, why would you talk about it? Because the scripture does. And so we must. And so we must. And we talk about things. You know, if you talk about things to your children once they become a problem, that's a lot harder to untangle. That's why when your kids are growing up, you talk to them about like, hey, when you get older, you're going to learn how to, like, you're not going to go to parties, and you're going to say no to drugs, and, you know, all these, you talk to them about that when they're small, so that you're not talking to them about that when you're picking them up from some crazy shindig when they're 17, right? Okay, so, so this, is, this is exactly why we're doing this now, and also, this is why we preach expositionally, because it forces us to deal with scriptures that we might just otherwise go, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Okay, so here's why cultural integration is important to the church. Number one, God's purpose in salvation is to bring the races back together. We talked about this. That the book of Acts is actually a great reversal from Genesis chapter 11. God's purpose is to bring us back together. Um, and 
we can't do this on our own. We cannot do this on our own. This doesn't happen naturally because we naturally gravitate towards people that are like us. Um, and and uh, all the way through the book of Acts, you get glimpses of this. Acts chapter 2, Pentecost is all the languages. Acts chapter 16, when um, Paul goes to Philippi, the, the chapter records three people getting saved. Lydia, who was a, a slave girl. Lydia was wealthy, a slave girl, a Roman jailer. And um, this is a play, Acts chapter 16, is a play on what every Jewish man would par- pray every day. Every day, Jewish people would get up, men would get up and say, Lord, I thank you that I'm not a woman, a slave, or a Gentile. That was a real prayer that they would pray. And in Acts chapter 16, a woman, a slave, and a Gentile all come to Jesus. It was Jesus saying, nope, 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 nope. It was for everybody. It's for every- this is the message of Acts. And then by Acts, in Acts chapter 13, um, uh, in Acts chapter 13, Antioch becomes like the capital of the Christian world um, because of the persecution that had happened in Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter, and, and there's something in Acts chapter 13, verse 1, that Luke says that is wild. I, it actually, I actually saw it for the first time studying this a few months ago. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1, he says, Now there were in the church in Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. Okay, now we can all admit that sometimes when we get to these, like, main parts of the Bible, we go, oh yeah, speed read. Um, but I want you to see the importance of this. We've, we never hear of these people again, only in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. You've got, so you've got Saul and Barnabas. We do hear about Barnabas. They're Hellenistic Jews. They are people that are Jewish, but they've grown up kind of like knowing the Greek way. They're educated. Um, you've got Manian, who's from Herod's household, which means that he was Jewish, um, like, aristocrat. He was an aristocrat. Okay, he was fancy. And then you've got Simeon, whose nickname was Niger, which literally meant black, and he would have been from the sub-Saharan African continent, uh, where modern-day Niger sits today. Okay, so you've got these Jews, you've got people from Africa, and then you have um, Lucius from Cyrene, which is modern-day Libya. Do you see what God is doing here? Like all of a sudden we've gone from a one-track place to like a place where rich and poor, black and Middle Eastern, uh, there were really no white people right then, so (laughs) the Arctic had not caught up to us yet. This is the gospel we say yes to. This is the gospel. All people, everywhere. This is the gospel we must contend for. This is what God has called us to. The book of Acts, listen, you, you're, you're going to be a book of Acts type of Christian? Oh, you don't have any other choice. This is what God has called us to. Now, um, what I want you to see is that a multicultural church is a powerful evangelistic witness. There are some of us who in like regular life would never come together. Like we'd never be friends because we don't have like really anything in common. Right? But the gospel brings us together in this very powerful way. What we're saying is that Jesus is more important than anything else in our lives. That Jesus is more important than his grace, his power, his... And this says something to a world that is fractured. Fractured in so many ways, left and right and up and down. This, this is why we will not let politics fracture us. Yes? But we, I, I think if there's anything that we could have learned from the last three years, it's just that we're easily fractured. 
we, we're easily like, I'm on this side, and if you're not on this side, I'm not on this side, and I'm not for you. The body of Christ, listen, a multicultural church causes us to say, nope, we're just all in this together because we're for Jesus. God, yeah, God's glorified. He is glorified through a beautiful tapestry of cultures, and we talked about this when we preached through Revelation. But um, in Revelation 5, the beauties of every culture are represented around God's throne. That's why your culture is necessary, whatever culture you come from. Isn't that great? Isn't it great that God is just not like a monotone God? There's nothing worse than everybody just being the same. It's so creepy. But God didn't say that we had to all be the same. He, he lets a tapestry happen. So the things that are very important to you in your culture, we can say yes to them when they glorify God. Revelation 21, 26, um, he brings in the wealth and the honor and the glory of nations. That's Revelation 21, 6. He brings in, that tells us that there's wealth in every culture. It's amazing. Your culture and some of you are Canadian here, and you feel like I'm leaving you, and I'm not. Some of you are Canadian, like, to a thousand generations. <laughs> and uh, there's beauty in that. There's wealth in that culture. And God takes that wealth and, gl and glorifies himself through it. Well, you, you ever heard the phrase, well, we can just be colorblind? That's not scriptural. It's not scriptural at all. Colorblind means that God doesn't see uh, your, your background. He does. He sees the wealth and beauty of your culture. He's not colorblind. And we won't be either. He delights in our various cultures. Um, Jerome Gay, who is a theologian, said it this way, the gospel is not colorblind, but color engaging. I like that. Okay, so let's talk practically. Why is cultural integration hard? There's two really basic reasons for this. Pride. Pride. Um, for a lot of us, our race has become a source of pride for us. And in some ways, like if we're talking pride not in a negative way, that's okay. Like you fly your color and when the, uh, all the football matches come on or soccer, whatever you want to call it, um, we cheer loudly for our culture and country. That's great. Um, but pride does become a point of contention when we begin to think that our culture is the only culture. And we just have to keep reminding ourselves that it's human to believe that. So you just keep reminding yourself, no, Revelation 21, 26, there's beauty and honor in every culture and God is going to use it for his glory. Um, then also, here, here's a very practical reason. Cultural preferences run deep. So soci sociological studies tell us that even when you culturally integrate uh, neighborhoods, um, people just tend to gravitate towards their own culture. I, I didn't want to preach a message here today that was like, and it's all pixies and unicorn dust. No, and there's reasons for that, because you like the food you like because you grew up eating that food, and so you try to go somewhere even when you're almost 50, where your mom cooked food for you, right? We're all trying to get that comfort back. Um, so a, multi, a sign of a multicultural church is a little bit of an uncomfortable church. If you're, if you're not uncomfortable, like you, this is why we got to try to get out in each other's culture. You got to try to like learn other things. There's some discomfort in it. Um, and it's okay for us to admit this. What, what we don't want to have is like sort of like weird utopia where we like, and it's not really utopia, we just... We don't talk about things that are hard. Calgary has had a history of racial strife. C can we say that out loud? It's okay to say that. That doesn't mean that we're like denigrating uh, the people that were here. 
No, we can talk about hard things. We must talk about hard things because we must be able to say to our brothers and sisters who have had difficulty, I see you. I know that that's hard. Like Abel, we were talking a few weeks or months ago about like you were down in the, and I think I talked about this publicly here again. I always talk to you because you're sitting right there and I can see you. Um, like we talked about how somebody said an unkind word to you. It was horrible, horrible feeling. Like I needed to be able to acknowledge that to Abel and say, that's hard, I'm sorry that ever happened to you. We can do better. We can do better. And where we will not stand for that is right here when we come together. We, this becomes a safe place for people. When they come in, they feel safe and feel like they belong and like God does see their culture where we don't tell everybody, hey, just flatten out your culture and just like pretend you don't have any cultural heritage. No, we see each other. We see each other and look each other in the eyes and say, I see the pain that you walk through. No, that doesn't denigrate any of the rest of the pain that others of us have gone through. Maybe your pain is not due to your culture. Maybe it's due to your socioeconomic status. Uh, this is why we do things like the warming center, by the way, because it's not just about culture. And we see this in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit falls when we, when we say it's cultures all come under the lordship of Jesus. Our socioeconomic status all comes under the lordship of Jesus. Okay, so here's, here's how we're going to pursue racial integration. Here's how we're going to be in Acts 10 through 13 church. Our goal is not just the elimination of racism. It's the achievement of diversification. And um, some, some people feel like, well, I, I'm not racist. And I'm glad you're not racist. Um, but the goal it, is not just that we would not be racist, but that we would actually get a little bit dirty with one another. We'd l get to know each other. Um, God's vision to Peter was not just to stop, stop being racist, but to embrace Cornelius. It wasn't just like him, so from a rhetoric perspective, mostly all of us could stand up here and say, yeah, of course. This is not like new revelation. It's not new revelation to say, yeah, everybody is accepted into Jesus. Jesus loves you. What's harder is when we got to embrace each other. And that's what I want to call us to. That's the kind of church I want to call us to. I, I uh, you know, and you know what's awesome? I think we can have, like some of our small groups that will launch in a couple weeks, our, we have a Spanish small group that's amazing, and we've got an Asian food small group. I love that you guys do a food small group. It's so good. Uh, I, we, I love that. That's amazing. But uh, what we want to, and it's okay. It's okay for you to like, you know, you're going to have things in common with people that speak your language, come from you. That's a great thing. But what I want to encourage us to do is just like not just stay just there. We break out and to, to learn other cultures and other people. And then um, I, I want to call us to the culture of Jesus over everything. That we are not our first culture. So um, sociologists say our first culture is the culture you're from. Your second culture is everyone else. So, and, and then but I want to call us to a third culture, to be the culture of Jesus. Jesus over everything. We sang that song this morning. That Jesus' culture would actually guide us and lead us. Um, an interesting example of this is Paul said to the Jew he became a Jew. Um, but uh, how could that be? It really was that his, his Jewishness was so light that people wondered, are you even still Jewish? So he had to lean back into that. And some of you, um, you've become, whatever your culture is, quite light. Maybe the Lord wants you to lean back into your culture a little bit. Let me call you to lean back into your culture a little bit. There's people that need you that are from your culture. We need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. 
trying that weird food, the food you think is weird, but is delicious. Um, and you know, this is, this is going to show up, this shows up often in worship. So some of my dear, amazing friends. So a, f- a few years ago, I got asked to preach um, a German camp. It was a really amazing opportunity. And I sat and I got up to this. Now, I'm not a real mover because I can't really dance. But I do, I'm a swayer. I'm a swayer. Okay, so in the worship, no. No, everyone just sat like, if you're German here, you know what I'm saying. You just sit up straight. Yeah. And I got up to preach. No one said a word. And I got down and I said to Dave, oh, no. I think that was the worst. Like, I think I bombed. They'll never invite me back. And I was having, like, all of these, like, and then somebody got up to close the service, and all the Jewish people stood up and responded to the Lord. They just didn't respond in the way that I was thinking they should respond. Now, some of you are from countries where, like, you're like a lamp that gets put in. You become like a wild. You're dancing in the aisles. It's great. It's great. And that's what our multicultural church is going to look like, right? Some of us are going to be wild, and we just bless that. We bless you to... This used to be called windshield wipers. You got the windshield wipers going on five. We bless you to do that. And we bless those of you that are from like more state cultures to just find Jesus. Find Jesus. This is what being multicultural means. We cannot get judgy with each other over stuff like that. We got to just say yes to Jesus, yes to his culture, and believe that God is working in all of us. Yes? Multiculturalism is not our primary goal. Well, what is it? I mean, it's baked right into our vision. It's not our, do you know what? Gospel proclamation is. That the gospel would be proclaimed. That people's lives would be changed. We've got to devote ourselves to humility and patience. This is going to take humility and patience. Humility and patience. Humility and patience. Because you're here. Because I'm here. I take a lot of patience. But it's hard. That's okay. We're just going to keep trying. The point is, God is here breathing on us. God is here. And he is here in all the beautiful tapestry of every culture. And I'm just believing this, that people are going to come to church not even knowing why they came. Maybe they're going to come because you invited them, but they're going to see all the and think, certainly, God is here. Certainly God is here. I think we have to admit this. So I said to Abel, we were laughing at the beginning of the service, that this is not going to be a service where I say, okay, every head bowed, every eyes closed. If you've been racist, come on forward. (laughs) We're not, we're not going to do that. (laughs) Because here's the truth, because it would be weird. But also, um, the truth is, all of us, what we must acknowledge, what we must acknowledge that all of us have a little bit of this sin in our heart. When we acknowledge that it changes everything, because it's not like we're looking for like people who are wearing white outfits. Like, we acknowledge that all of us have a little bit of this inside of us, that there are some cultures that we are not comfortable with. Maybe you've had a bad experience on the deer foot with a certain culture. And you say things, listen, you say things. Oh, I knew it was that kind of person. That's, that's racism. We've got to acknowledge that and ask God, help me to do better, Jesus. Help me to do better. 
Help me to see people as you see them. Keep calling out to Jesus. And, and maybe you're from a minority culture and you've felt that before. You've felt pushback before. As a church, we want to acknowledge publicly the pain that you've gone through and ask for your forgiveness. But we're going to ask, we're going to call you to humility and patience that we would continue because all of us, all of us are there. And I mean, I think just we remember that we give the benefit of the debt wherever we can. Right? This is how Jesus calls us to be. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Oh, nobody talked to you today. Maybe, maybe it just was like a really, maybe we just had a really bad, we're not going to get this perfect. We're not going to get this perfect. By the way, I I just would call many of you in this, we're going to come into the fall season and it's going to be, wow, we're in August right now, everyone. (laughs) Pray for the kids, people. Um, We need many of you, though, particularly many of you from different parts of the world to say, yeah, I can greet people because there's something good about seeing someone who looks like you when you come on a Sunday morning. Yes? we, We need many of you from different parts of the world to say, like, I'll join the worship team. I'll, I'll, we actually, like that, that's just that we would walk with some kind of um, strategy. We're not going to say, God, just like make us a multicultural church, but it's all going to be one culture doing all this stuff. Say yes to Jesus this year. Imagine what God could do when we all give him our yes. Can you stand this morning? Man, do I ever love God's word. It teaches us how to live. Not just how to think, but how to live. The Holy Spirit comes on us and changes us. Not just changes us in a service, but changes how we go about talking to people. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would fall on us today. Some of you are here today, and you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never said, Jesus, I'm giving you my all. I'm believing, like the book of Acts, that when we begin to speak about the all-inclusive nature of the gospel, that the Holy Spirit falls on people. And some of you today, um, you can feel the Holy Spirit's presence. You know that today is the day you have to give your yes. The Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. I want to call you to give your yes to Jesus today. To say, Jesus, yes, all of me to all of you. And you might not even know exactly what that means yet. Well, the Bible says that if, we'll, uh, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we'll be saved. I want to call you to make that decision today. Others of us are here today, and uh, maybe we just, we got to do a little bit of work with God. Maybe we're hanging on to some bitterness. Maybe we've been hurt in this way, but we remember today that that hurt is not found in the heart of God. It's in people, and so we're just going to release people today. We're going to, like, part of the Christian walk is to every day be releasing people. We have a thousand things we can be offended about. So we just get into full-time release. I release you. So maybe you've been hurt today. I I would just encourage you right here in this minute to say, God, I release those people. I release that hurt. That doesn't mean you you, um, make the sin okay. You just release them to the goodness of God. So we release people, God, who have hurt us all over this place. 
We release people in the mighty name of Jesus. I, I pray for people that have been walking in hurt and bitterness. God, in Jesus' name, I pray that you give us courage now to release people to your goodness, God. And God, for those, for all of us here today, God, we want what you want. We, we want to be people who are open to others, who have uh, the spirit that says that Jesus is for all people. We pray that over our church, that a spirit of all inclusiveness would come on our church. Every time people would come, they would feel like they are welcome, that they are at home. God, would that spirit just rest on us? I thank you, God, for your word that is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. I pray that you'd bless us this week. May we go in the power of your Holy Spirit. May you meet us in powerful ways that will transform not only our lives, but the lives of people around us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.